0: You're listening to Drinking on the Job, D-O-T-J. I'm your host, John Coyle. Drinking on the Job is a toast to the culture of food, wine, and all things fermented. We'll be talking with winemakers, musicians, artists, late-night bartenders, scoundrels, and more. It's time to grab a glass before it's last call. Hank Zona has sat on a wine panel with Supreme Court Justice Scalia. He's been published in the Paris Review and still sees himself as the consummate outsider. Listen up. DOTJ podcast now listened to in 27 countries. Just another great episode with a good friend uh, from New Jersey, Hank Zona from The Grapes Unwrapped, joins me to talk about his Corkside Wine Club, his travels, and his love of all things fermented. Hank, thanks for coming on, and thanks for bringing a ton of wine we're going get, to get through yeah. to, on this episode, which is great. Well, I know you've had plenty of
1: wine, too, and I, thanks for having me, John. It's I, always good to see you.
0: I, I agree. So let me, uh, let's go back a little bit uh, in time. Uh, one of my first meetings with you, you had a... Uh, uh, a YouTube television show, right? Yep, yep. Uh, swirl, and yeah. uh, at Gaslight uh, Art Studio, you interviewed me about yes. wine. yeah. And, uh, um... It was still great. I yeah, still love
1: it. Yeah, that yeah. was kind of a fun night. I, you know, I'd love to do that again. I decided, let's do a wine-themed art show. And I brought local artists from our community, our old, your old community, sure. yeah, yeah. and uh, to talk about their their wine-themed art and label art and wine. And and Rick, who, who ran the Gas Gallery, Good guy. Uh, said, yeah, let, let's yeah. do a gallery show. I know you got uh, Robert Sinski to send over some prints. And Andre oh, Mack was involved. Oh, we had some right. of his prints, too. So it's probably some of the best wine you're ever going to have have an art gallery opening. Sinskey, yeah,
0: uh, OPP, yeah. Uh, those are some great brands. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we've known each other a long time. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, we have to start at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you get into the wine biz? What's the, what's the for some people, it's a bottle, and then, like, mm-hmm. the the sunlight comes through the you know stained glass window, and it's like church moment, they go, oh, my God, this is a calling. I'm going to figure a way to get into the wine business. So, what is it for you?
1: It, it was circuitous. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, it wasn't, this is not my first career. I worked in the executive search business for a lot of years, but I grew up in a um, uh, in an immigrant household. Oh. I had, my grandparents all immigrated from various parts of Europe. Not just my father's parents from Southern Italy, but my my maternal grandfather was from Alsace, and oh, and, wow. and it was my f- my first trip to Alsace at the age of 22 which really not only just gave me the wine bug, but gave me the bug for eating and drinking local because that was, you know, they were saying, eat our local cheese, have our local food, eat, eat our local crude, have yeah. our local wine, long before it was a thing sure. here.
0: Alsace is, I just had um, uh, Kareem Raoul on, whose uh, mm-hmm. parents are from Alsace mm-hmm. from, and started Raoul's Restaurant, mm-hmm. but um, we were saying how storybook Alsace is. I was there a, a year before the pandemic, and it's like thatched hut roofs. It's yeah. like... Gorgeous, like, carousels and castles and, like, beautiful, yeah. incredible um, uh, landscape food. Some of the best wines, you
1: know. A- absolutely. Yeah. And my grandfather's from what is the largest wine-making commune now, Dombac laville
0: so, oh, sure uh, yeah. so it, you
1: know it was um, so, you know so there was wine on the table It wasn't necessarily good wine growing up but it was wine. but there was wine on the table right. so it you know that whole attitude of wine being part of your meal part of your socializing was what I grew up with when you're young you get you get it mixed into your seven up a little bit more as you get older sure. uh, and and then I had good fortune going to Cornell and right. taking some wine classes there even though oh. it wasn't my major okay and uh, and so I always had that interest and uh, eventually once my kids got a little bit older older uh, I was able to develop more I never really worked in the trade for anybody right. so it was really being self-taught and and self networked and and coming across people like you who saw the value of, of having me come to your events sure. and, and helping to
0: spread the word in different ways thank you and you, you have uh, spread the word uh, so um, so what's the moment when you leave the exciting world of executive job <laughs> search or what, but t- I, what happens but, like, I, but I'll tell you a good yeah. thing about that yeah. I had this interest in wine mm. and
1: Here I was in my 20s doing executive search work uh, and and working with clients who basically are our age bracket now. I had nothing in common with them. I don't golf. I I didn't golf. I still don't golf. Uh, What did I have in common with them? Wine. And and they would they would just wanna to go to lunches with me and dinners with me and give me business and talk about wine. So even in my twenties, having that interest in wine opened up doors for me yeah. that I that I didn't expect. So yeah. uh and, and I realized that wine is just, it's beautiful stuff, it's social and it it just tied into so many things and it was part of my
0: heritage. Has anyone done a better job of explaining uh How we are all connected to a community, then like Anthony Bourdain, through food and wine. Right. It's cultural. It's, like you said, your your grandparents and coming from Europe and and breaking bread together and having a glass of wine is something that we all enjoy and it crosses every cultural border.
1: Absolutely. And and what's the easiest and best way to start to understand somebody's culture but through what they eat and Mm -hmm. drink? Andrew, uh, and, and if you do that with them you can start to figure out the other things that may not be as easy but, yeah. but so if you break bread with them and drink
0: with them. Totally good point point. and it's a very Italian thing so yeah. I lived in a brownstone uh, years ago now we live back in Brooklyn I, I moved into a brownstone and very Italian guy owned it on the bottom floor and uh, I have another friend Ross Minichella, who yeah, you yeah, probably yeah. know Yeah, and uh, I said yeah I get along great with the Paretas I mean they're awesome they're fun people we have good dialogue and he goes I'm um, have you had uh, dinner with them yet? I said no. He goes, eh? I'm like what? <laughs> he goes, no. When you break bread, that's when you're friends, and it's, right. it's so true. And I kind of have adopted that. Like I have dinner with people I, I like. I mm-hmm. if I don't like so. I try not to. Like, hey, should we have dinner? No, let's just meet for a drink. <laughs> Breaking bread is a very intimate kind of um, experience, right? Well, it's, it's exactly
1: what it is. It's yeah. intimate, yeah. and and it's um, it, it's a good form of intimacy, mm-hmm. and, and you. You really learn a lot. There's nothing like socializing
0: over a meal with somebody. Yeah, true. So oxytocin is a hormone that gets released <laughs> during sex, mm-hmm. <laughs> during breaking bread, having dinner. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a hormone that makes you happy, and mm-hmm. there's few instances, and in, and dining is one of them. Yeah, And if you can combine the two of them, wow, double hit. And, <laughs> <laughs> so, and the table might get a little messy. Yeah. Um,
1: but but here's the other thing too. It's. Uh, you know that whole concept though is, is escapes a lot of people. People don't sit as family units really to, to have true. meals anymore, and they, yeah. and, and and even you think about it, people go out to. You know, get together on weekends with other couples, other friends. They're sitting in a crowded restaurant. There's a group of people. You can't hear the person on the other end of the table, really. I know. They, they turn yeah. the table. You're up. You're out. You didn't really get to talk with them. It, that's why a dinner party is kind of a fun thing to do because it's just much more comfortable and, and people get to eat at their own pace and drink at their own
0: pace. And, and again, commune. Okay. So, speaking yeah. of that, let's get to the first wine because we have okay. – I think we're going to try to do four, okay. which I've never cool. done on the show. Let's go. You brought a rosé from Vermont. A, v-
1: a rosé from Vermont, yeah. Which I Let's spent some
0: time up in Vermont uh, last month. And I'll take a little splash pretty of that. Let's get this going. So uh, there is a winery up there called the Garagiste that you mentioned <laughs> yep. that I had the pet net of yep. up there. And what's interesting in Vermont, and you're going to tell me more about this, but they don't have classic vinifera, shard, cab, pinot. It's off varietals, and that's what makes it really kind of
1: cool. All, all hybrids, and uh, well, one, one winery, cool. one winery, right. um, and that is uh, Shelburne, uh, is growing a small plot of Riesling, but everything else is hybrids, and it's pretty remarkable hmm. What they're doing up there at hybrids. And, uh, and, and La Garagista de Drahican really, uh, I think, started that. Yeah. But they're, and, and you know, none of the winers are near one another, they're all good distance apart up there, but they all know one another, they all collaborate, they all kick around ideas with one another. And this is from a, a, a spectacular vineyard on Grand Isle in Lake Champlain. Oh so, so it's pretty far north, about twenty miles from Canada. yeah, I was just a hero,
0: up, okay. up right up by there. My son's in Burlington. Ohm okay. yeah, so, yeah, 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 uh, that's why I had the the rank guy I have to try this. I never heard of this grape, and it blew me away. Yeah, okay, so this is like so floral. It's like yep. rose petals, um, mm-hmm. beautiful on the nose.
1: This is from Ellison Estate. Mm. Uh, it's, it's owned by a couple, uh, Kendra and Rob Napik. They've got three young kids. They, uh, they actually make the wine in their 2,500-square-foot basement in their house in Stowe. And so they, did, they started doing some pop-up tastings last year for the ski, uh, Apri ski crowd and uh, plan to do that again this year. And they grow the grapes, uh, I think it's about 12 acres, maybe, maybe more at this point, mm. on Grand Isle. This is beautiful, and it's a bu- it, it, the wines are beautiful. The labels are beautiful. Yeah, uh, yeah. the the um, the property is beautiful. Uh, the, she's really d- developing it as a regenerative farm. Uh, there's a whole bunch of sheep there now. They've got property that goes right down to the to the lakefront. That's, uh, it's, it's so beautiful, just a gorgeous yeah. area.
0: Oh my god! Yeah, this is spectacular. Thank you for bringing mm-hmm. this. This is great. We'll, we're gonna post these somewhere, and you you post it on your blog. Cool. I'll Post it on my website. Yeah, um, yeah. I was really I was really impressed with the with the
1: different. Uh, things going on up there and, and again the collaboration and what people are doing up there cool. and um and, and how they're basically getting what they're supposed to out of these hybrid grapes. Right. You know, for years people have kinda of turned their nose up literally at sure. hybrid grapes because yeah. you know they you should turn your nose up at them. <laughs> Most Some of the are just time, absolutely. not good. Yeah. But, but it's interesting to see now how they're getting the full potential, whether through carbonic, through making them in a pet net style, mm-hmm. through skin contact, through
0: co-fermenting. So yeah. that's pretty, yeah, yeah. pretty that, cool. That's, that's uh, totally cool. So what is the first uh, – so you jump off, what's the first – Foray into the wine business, your club, your show. What? No, what it is was it? actually. How long was know, I
1: started doing events. Started just basically, okay.
0: you know, doing events and
1: speaking about wine. And and then how do you learn about it? You know, I again, I've I've been on the fringe of the industry. I've never worked for an entity in the industry. Not right. for a restaurant group. Not for a retailer. Not mm. for an importer. Not, you know, not for a winery. So it, you know, and and a lot of this is a lot of my learning was pre-internet. So it was reading, right. reading, and tasting whenever you reading, possibly could. Reading, isn't that crazy? crazy? Books,
0: yeah. Frank yeah.
1: Priles column Frank in the Times, o- Oz Clark, yeah, uh, Oz books. Clark's yeah, books. Yeah. Uh, you, you know the early Kevin Zarelli, uh, Windows uh, yeah. on the World, Wine School sure. books, Great and book. and Randall Graham's quarterly newsletter that he sure. would nail out. You know, now how I we tweet with
0: Randall Graham, but back then I, w- I would look forward to getting that. Yeah, he was, a, he was a, certainly a pioneer. He All yeah. his like, wines from Soldad, and yeah. then he went to Pacific and Riesling, yep. and uh, he was a, a, a super cool guy. So um, you're a great example of, you know, people say, how do you learn about wine? Well, it's some of it's academia for sure, sure. but bottom line, you have to taste a lot of wine. You taste and you talk. Yeah, yeah that's that's it and, and, and wine's good
1: for that though because it's a social business right. right so you know you and I can sit down and, and just talk wine. about wine you, your knowledge is encyclopedic yeah, I, I, yeah. I love hearing you uh, you know tell the stories and, and the experiences and I pick up from that and wine is also a passionate thing right sure and, yeah. and you feed off other people's passion yeah. in the business I agree
0: and, and if you're not passionate about wine you, you probably shouldn't be in the business no, that's why I've always said uh, one thing I do love about the the wine business. It's the people. Most of them are pe- people from another field, lots of artists, writers, mm-hmm. you know, actors, opera singers, uh, or, yeah. or people who just were lawyers who are like, oh fuck this I can't yeah. do this this yeah. is just horrible and, um, and so why th- people are in it because they're passionate about it yeah. um, so before we get to the next subject let's go to the next wine because okay. I'm going to get through all these and this ties nicely into yeah. uh, Columbia Gorge your recent travel mm-hmm. but so then you just started like what I appreciate what you, you, you've done is you've had this kind of very pioneering spirit like I love it I'm just going to start okay. writing about it, and I'm just going to start doing events, and and then that just grows uh, organically. It grows because yeah. people want to be around you because you are passionate, and people who are passionate attract people. Are like I want some of that. What that guy has. Right. What's what you know? That's what you do, and that's how you've built this over a decade. I think yeah, it's been it's, almost it's a, decade, a, bit right? over a
1: decade. Yeah, and 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 yes, you know it's. Yeah, you know, I've been on the fringe of the business, and and as you know, there's lots of very defined roles in the wine industry, sure. and I've never had one. You know, I know we've been a, we've been at events, and you've gone to introduce me, and you probably introduced me in three or four different manners over <laughs> just over the past three uh, or yeah. four years because I've done lots of different things. Yeah. But but what, what my my role is is to find the gaps in the business sure. and fill those up, and and I think I do I think
0: I do a nice job yeah. of that. And um, yeah, you do, and I you know. Like, this is Hang Zona. He's got an amazing jump shot. You should see him play basketball, <laughs> which we'll get to. Uh, uh, but he also loves wine like we all do. And I also thank you for coming and to our tastings and going to our tastings and your wine club. But uh, let's talk for a second. So recently... Mm-hmm. You just traveled to the Columbia Gorge, which yeah. I think is the most exciting wine region in our country for sure right now. Yeah. Um, but give me your so we're doing Savage Grace here. Yeah. Syrah. Michael um,
1: Grace, yeah. uh, who was a musician, I believe, still is, uh-huh. and decided to start making wine, and mm-hmm. uh, he's been doing it in Washington, and and he's kind of moved his operation mm-hmm. now fully down to Columbia River Gorge. Started off with uh, with real love for Cab Franc, right? And he he low intervention, low alcohol, high right. acid. You know, and and I think that's sort of the benchmark in the Columbia River Gorge uh, yeah. w- with a lot of the makers there now. And um, you know, went up to the winery just this past weekend and. First of all, it's a spectacular. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't, I I don't uh, use the word blessed uh, a lot, but it's bl- it's blessed land and uh, where his winery is. It's like know. a straight on shot at the gorge. Yeah,
0: it's 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 uh, one of those like you. So you're north of Oregon mm-hmm. and you you're going through the gorge and the Cascades are there and Mount Hood's off in the distance. Yep. yep. And it is. Breathtaking, and and it's
1: all it's all within an hour of Portland. Yeah, just so you know, as I like to tell people, I think if you want a wine trip to Oregon, you go to Portland and you turn left, and you just (laughs) spend your weekend in the Willamette Valley. If you want if you want a trip that includes wine, you go to Portland, you turn right. Yeah, and and both places are within an hour, you know, half hour to an hour. uh, Spectacular places on either side of Portland.
0: Right. Also, I I think what's crazy is like, you know, you have. the most diverse terroir Mm. that I've seen in a a very small uh, area, like you said. Mm -hmm. You have incredible, like, vertical elevation, Mm -hmm. uh, like the dolomites, and then you Mm -hmm. have uh, tufa and volcanic, like you do on Etna. You have, I mean, granitic. You have, it's the, basically, the Missoula floods came in and dropped a bunch of all the stones and glacier stuff. So, it's, like, incredible, and that's why you get this beautiful diversity of, like, why they can grow. Yeah, Norella Muscalese, why they're growing Syrah, why they're growing Trousseau. I'm just like it's
1: You you can also go, John, forty five minutes and go from eighty inches of rain a year to right. twelve inches of right. rain a year. Yeah, it goes to a because, desert, you Because right? you're yeah. you're going right to the edge of that the, yeah. the desert in eastern Washington, sure. eastern Oregon. Mm-hmm. So it's it's and it's spectacular terrain yeah. too. Yeah. So uh, yeah. so this is this is Syrah. And it's uh, this is you know, he now is focusing, Michael, on cold climate Syrah, cool climate Syrahs
0: and um I think they're doing a nice job, really nice job with them. yeah, no doubt it's got all that kind of like peppery spice mm-hmm. earth tannins are just beautifully like there to uh, for a backbone uh, this is I'm sure minuscule um, kind of uh, production <clears throat> as well. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah I think he said he's doing about uh five seven thousand cases uh five to seven thousand cases a year.
0: Wow that's yeah that's not, that's like you know they're making a living.
1: They're making a living in a beautiful yeah. place right. and, uh, and and making
0: really nice wines. Um, so we're going to go to Analemma, which is yeah. cool. That's a, another gorge wine from yeah. Mosier. And uh, a regenerative farming. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you were trying to get there, and you said you got interrupted by rain. Yes, because they were doing all, uh, all outdoors. Yeah. So, uh, they have three cows, and it's an old farmhouse, and everything is uh, uh, picked by the uh, lunar cycle, and mm-hmm. it's organic. Um Which is really great. And um, I'm trying to think of... Punch uh, called me and they would do an article on on the best domestic sparklers. Mm. And I have to tell you, um, you know, Laura Macero, who runs our champagne and French wine portfolio, Mm. she was... Like blown away. And I, I think it's amazing too. Uh, Annalena does some killer, killer stuff. Uh, we bring this in to Edward, and I, I, I do uh, totally uh, dig the wine. But uh, see what you think, because this is, uh, now you're in the gorge. Yeah, I did buy, I
1: did buy one of their wines off the shelf, because what I did a couple of nights, uh, you know, the focus of this article that I'm working on, that, that I was out there researching, is really about the natural scene out there. and And yeah. so I yeah. actually went and bought local food and cooked two nights yeah, on one of the nights I had their Arctic Rosé, which is a a very light Pinot Noir Rosé that that I had with uh, some sablefish. Yeah, oh, and wow. and I even I was able to buy some huckleberries yeah. from a roadside mm-hmm. stand. So and, and some some local mushrooms. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty cool. You're, you're
0: you're building yourself a nice little life there, traveling, uh, nice. riding, nice drinking, eating. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, to what I was saying earlier, how you can get all this uh, you know these different varietals grown here. Mm-hmm. They do. Uh, uh, Ribeiro, they do like so they do Mencia, they, like from yeah. the Ribeiro. They do uh, Albarino. They do I mean, amazing yeah. like whites. The, the
1: Bianco is uh, Godeo yeah. and uh, and Albarino, Albarino yeah. uh, mix, right? With with something else uh, in there, which is, what I thought was interesting. I, 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 will yeah. you,
0: I will always look suspiciously at Americans trying to grow international varietals like that and because there's a lot of plonk mm-hmm. out there I would never name names well mm-hmm. I wouldn't say never but uh, like <laughs> there's some oh there's a uh, Albariño from Santa Barbara and you're like well that doesn't taste like Albariño at all mm-hmm. I know you can plant it and grow it there but right. that stuff it tastes like Spain to me and it's with yeah. its own kind of kiss of like sunlight and stuff Mm -hmm. Uh, but um yeah i mean it's it's such an incredible so what gave you the impetus to go to the gorge
1: uh well you you have met my occasional co-writer friend valerie stivers who who i'm i act as her wine and spirits consultant for her paris review food and literature column nice job which has been fun because what she does is you know she picks classic literature recreates the food from it and and i kind of help Pair wines with it, or, or actually give her some historical reference to the wines that might be in the book. So, um, for example, at the beginning of the pandemic, when we did the Decameron, which takes place in the 1300s in the plague in oh, wow. in Tuscany, right. uh, you know there are wine references there. So we were able to find wines, of course, that are still made. Wow. So, um, so we we had done a piece for this month's Travel and Leisure, and it oh, was about cool. how um, how Oregon is not just a place where there's good sparkling wine, right. but it's a actual a sparkling wine destination. Yeah, and uh, and and becoming even more so. So uh, that sort of led us to the idea that uh, you know, hey, there's just more to explore on mm. the other side of Portland, and uh, and, and so the pitch was, uh, how's about the Columbia River Gorge? And, and, and it actually just exceeded my expectations sure. to go out there.
0: I mean, it's just. Uh I mean, I love I love Oregon and I love uh, Willamette Valley and I think there's some amazing producers, but there's really people mainly well, there's Riesling, Pinot, mm-hmm. uh, right. some some good Chardonnay, char, yeah, char, yeah, definitely. Yeah, but like it's uh, you know the gorgeous as mentioned, it's just you have this terroir and diversity and you get people living a little more off the grid. Yes. who are real farmers who are interested yep. in sustainable farming. Absolutely. Um, uh, you met Nate Reddy I met from Nate. Hi-U. Yes, um, I met Nate and yeah. he says,
1: oh, I, tell John I said hi and yeah. I, I shot you a picture of Nate and uh, and that was fascinating because yeah. Nate's growing, I think he said, 112 different grapes yeah. and, and it is, he kept referring to his, to his vineyard as chaos but it, <laughs> it, it is certainly planned chaos, if you will. Well, so uh, so yeah. one, of the, one, one of the wines that we had from him, he grows just in one row all 13 of of the grapes that go into Châteauneuf du Pop. yeah, and this was, and he made that blend, and the wine was was beautiful. So yeah. he, uh,
0: he's a he's a visionary. He yeah. is. A, um, I, I I used to call him the wizard. The I, wizard well, I was just going to yeah. say there's uh, a lot
1: of wizardry there too. He's a beard and, uh, that's down to his yeah. like belly
0: button. Um, he's he's got crystal blue eyes that yep. just like burn a hole in you. Yeah, and he's super soft spoken. Soft spoken, and you just don't know in which
1: direction he's going to turn. Yeah. So you yeah. know, here he is jumping up on uh, on one of the bins to show you know punch down some of the grapes with his hand yeah. to show the extraction he's getting. Another time he decides to just sort of. Turn turn right. Pick some grapes and, and have me taste them. Uh, so it, you know, it it was it was really interesting. Uh, he's got an amazing staff. The the tasting room the tasting room is just spectacularly yeah. beautiful.
0: I'll tell you my um story. You know he's a master sommelier and he mm-hmm. doesn't he's actually now I think my turned in his pen. He did he did uh, wanting nothing to do with it. There's been a lot of scandal and it's very um it's an it's an elitist club. They're trying mm-hmm. to change, but it always has been. I always thought it was, and he was one of the first people to said you know I'm out. Uh, I'm a farmer, and his, uh, he's just not into that um, mm-hmm. thing. But one of my first meetings with him is he had a Solera blend Gewürztraminer, skin contact. Yep. Yep. And before we even tasted it, I said, as usual, I have an opinion. I said, they, I said let me tell you something about Gewürztraminer. Your clan... <laughs> Master Sommelier's personally has killed Gewurztraminer. Every time you meet an M.S., they're like, Gewürz goes with nothing. Mm-hmm. There's no food pairing. It's mm-hmm. Sichuan Chinese food. You're done. It's overbearing. It's lychee. It's rose petal. Mm-hmm. And he just looked at me, didn't say much, just smiled. He goes, yeah, I know. <laughs> and then he poured it for me. And like five minutes later, I was like, oh, shit, this is good. <laughs> and then I yeah. would take that, those wines out and show them to people. And they would do the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. If they had a palate, they were like, oh, and they were like, I have no idea what to do with this, but
1: damn, I want to buy it. Uh, so I brought one home from Savage Grace too because he does a skin t- uh, contact giverts yeah. and. You know, the first thing that, that hits my mind uh, is, is Indian food, Thai food. Yeah, and, totally. uh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and just that extra skin contact and the color, you know, to put it on a table with, with some of those brilliant foods and, and so well-spiced foods. Just to me, yeah. is just like, this is it. Yeah. So, he's yeah, a, I, d- I did taste the Solera uh, yeah, uh, wine at his yeah. place, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and his staff's amazing. Uh, the, the woman, I don't remember her name, uh, has been out there a couple of years from New York. She, she had been uh, yeah. you know, one of the Psalms at Atomics.
0: Oh yeah, 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 sure, and yeah, I had Janelle on the podcast mm-hmm. who kind of to run, run to yeah. the program over there. Uh, so let's do one more wine and continue to talk. that's sure. what we do best: we drink yeah. and we talk. Uh, so this is Pierre and Andre uh, Chateau de Pop. Mm. Uh, so which reminds me, gives you know Nate planted all thirteen varietals so. <laughs> in one row. <laughs> yeah. So this is all uh, first guy to be certified organic. Uh, he has thirty three micro parcels that he makes his Chateau de Pop from. Mm. Um, he is uh, just a, a, a genius of a guy. Uh, his daughter is now pretty much doing the running. Hmm. Um, but the average age of these vines are 75. And he has parcels of 140-year-old uh, parcels of wow. Grenache, Syrah. Then he does muscadin Vakerez. So it's, it's a real kind of blend of an old-school kind of Chateauneuf hmm. and very traditional. But... Um,
1: Really beautiful it color was and and nose on
0: that. Absolutely gorgeous. Uh, I got to thank Chamber Street Wine for turning to Edward on to um, mm. Pierre Andre and said you have to. David, Lilly's like you have to try these wines. What year is this? Uh, this is sixteen. Okay, and it's. Uh, I mean, these wines are just gorgeous. I have some older vintages and it's beautiful. Mm. Uh, oh, the other crazy thing is one of my least favorite wines to drink is really white Chardonnay to pop. But his white Chateauneuf has a lot of claret, which is... Uh, and I, let me, well, I don't like the usually because they're just blousy and they don't have a lot of acid. And I like to salivate. Right. Um, and he, is, he is, has a fair amount of claret, maybe almost 50%. So the acid and the texture. And, you know, we drink chateauneuf pop Pop 4 uh, in the Southern Rhone, the Mistral, those, you know, the, the rosemary, the lavender, all this stuff. And that mm-hmm. wind blows through the vineyards. And that's why that spice that you get, that yeah. Garrigue. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this wine is a classic example of that kind of like... Um,
1: you know, we hear the phrase mouth-watering, but this Ooh. actually makes your mouth water. Mm, mm. <laughs> it's, it's not an exaggeration. It's a, it's a mouth-watering wine.
0: And it's really a... Uh, he's a superstar. Yeah. Um, so um, you, so besides writing, journaling, traveling, you also got to be judge on many wine panels. Yeah. And I think one of the ones that uh, has to be on your resume <laughs> or, uh, that forever will be the one when you had uh, Supreme Court uh, Scalia. Yes. was on a, a panel...
1: Yes. So, uh, so with you, <laughs> the old Ebbett Grill in Washington, which right. is the number two busiest restaurant or uh, uh, revenue producing restaurant in the country. A friend right. of mine was GM, and they have something every year called the Oyster Riot. And it right. is one of the most amazing parties anywhere. You know, people show up in jeans and t shirts, on up the tuxedos and ball gowns, live music, all the oysters you can eat. 20 award-winning wines, uh, an oyster beer made especially from one of the local microbreweries. So how do I get invited? Um, Well, you know what? Unfortunately, because of the pandemic, and then the year before that, they had to cancel it because they had moved it to the Nationals ballpark and who knew the Nationals made it into the World Series oh, right. so it, it, right. it's always been um, yeah, yeah. sort of late October or right before Thanksgiving so um, so I, I got to go down and be a judge for the Wines for Oysters competition over 500 wines and they, they the staff there whittles it down to 25 and you sit at a table in this gorgeous room in this old classic historical restaurant and they just keep bringing oysters and dropping them in front mm-hmm. of you and you have to Eat the oysters, what the wines, and pick the yeah. winning wines. And one of the judges uh, was uh, Antonin Scalia. Huh. And I asked my friend, I said, Why do you bring Scalia back? And he said, Every year. And he said, Because um, he doesn't. You get to judge once, and that's it. And, you know, most people don't get invited back. And and he said. You, the first time he judged, he wrote me a note and said, "What a great time he had!" And he says, "The first time he had ever made his, a decision as a judge that nobody complained about." <laughs> so, um, so, so, you know, so, so, yeah. e- even if my politics were not his, I, I'm not used. To, I'm not typically in a room with any Supreme Court justice. So, uh, a friend of mine had given me a book on wine law, and I was reading it on 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 the way down. And uh, and I, I and, and so after after the competition there was a little reception, and I went over to him and and we started talking and and he said oh where are you from and I said well I live in Maplewood New Jersey near near the Oranges and he said I used to date a woman from South Orange years ago and first thought was he probably wouldn't date anyone from South Orange today <laughs> no, uh,
0: <laughs> probably so, not
1: yeah. no probably not uh. so uh, so I, so he saw the book and he said uh, I said have you seen this book yet? And he said, am I in that? I said, I haven't gotten to that chapter yet. And and he did autograph it for me. Yeah. And he said, and he came up to me and said, you know, you seem to know a lot about wine. He says, I don't really know a lot about wine, but I do know a lot about judging. And I said, yes, you, you probably do at this <laughs> yeah. point. So, you know, it was it was a gracious conversation. And we didn't talk politics, fortunately, but we talked wine. And mm-hmm. uh, and again, you know, it goes back to our original point. You know, you can sort of have a glass of wine with somebody you differ with, and kind of learn a little bit about them, perhaps. Yeah. And uh, well,
0: I think to uh, the point because he's the anchor of the conservative court, right. or yeah. it was. Um, and you know, people say like you know, you know, um, uh, if, if anything, Scalia hates more than affirmative action, it's abortion and sodomy. I mean, he had some really fucking shit that's not oh. aging well. Right. Uh, right. But. At the same time, he would hang out with with uh, Ruth. Ruth, 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 yeah, yeah, Ginsburg. and they drank wine together and drank all wine the time. together. Yeah. and I, I think th- they got hammered
1: together. Right. Actually, from what o- I
0: read, of course. But isn't that what's missing today? Like, we cannot have a civil conversation. Right. It's got to be, and I think the stakes are so high. So I get it. But you know, God, of the days you could actually sit and talk civilly about,
1: um, you know, I wrote a blog years ago, and it was, uh, and I found this story online, and it was a Martin Luther King. Wine story. Martin Luther King was a big wine fan, and and uh, he his roommate in Boston when he was in grad school there turned him on to wine. And Martin Luther King had a taste for Burgundy. Uh, he I also love had, it. To, yeah, and, um, and and it was his 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 wedding anniversary, and he went into a wine store in Atlanta. And he, and he and he was like kind of eyeing the sauternes, and, um, wow. and and then someone decided to uh, the, the wine shop owner, and, and who happened to be in there, but a journalist and you know, a leading segregationist uh, politician. I can't remember, a, a state mm. senator or a U.S. senator. All right. And here they are all together, and, um, and and so the store decides, the store owner decides to open a bottle of Romani e. Conti. And and they s- sat there and they had this amazing bottle of wine together and um, and, and and in a very civil manner shared a, a right. spectacular bottle right. of wine. Mm-hmm. They were never going to change anyone's minds in that room, I'm sure. But but you know but but over a beautiful bottle of wine, they
0: were able to at least be civil, uh, share yeah. something pretty special. And I think back back then it was easier to have some compassion for somebody. I, like I'm very curious when somebody believes the exact opposite of me. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily jump to that like I can't talk to this person. I'm just right. like what is this embedded in? Give me some kind of reason why you think like this. Right. And I you I'll try to meet you halfway. Um but nobody does that uh, no. um anymore. So what is the other like moments as a judge, a panelist or events that like you know that you like all oh, well this is tough to be this you know. Like,
1: <laughs> you oh. know it's um the, as you know, the past year and a half has been challenging and also yeah. tragic for a lot of people. Yeah, and I think I think what a lot of people who weren't immediately touched by the tragedy also were all, were at least um, ripped apart from any feeling of community. Mm. and And one of the things I did over the past year and a half was I, I started to do monthly virtual wine events in in yes. in the community. And what I would do was every I would pick every month a local organization to highlight. To try to raise some awareness and some funds for uh, whether it was you know local Maple South Orange or whether it was something more more on the county level, a lot of it youth oriented,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and, um, and 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 it, it was interesting because the. the I think over the, over one year raised over, you know, it wasn't a ridiculous amount of money, but over $55,000 for these different organizations well, within the community. But that's you just on a Zoom call.
0: Yeah, every month. Sending a well, link to everybody you love yeah. and like, hey, hey, let's talk wine and raise some money. Gonna How be, brilliant It's going to be this night. It's going to be three yeah. pack
1: of wine for this yeah. this amount of money. You can go pick it up at the Village Wine Shop and or, or someone will deliver it from the organization for extra money. And, uh, and the very last one we did was for uh, the chief foundation, the local uh, you know, school foundation and we had uh, it was it was 57 cases of wine went out the door. Wow uh, over 200 households and we estimated between 550 and 600 people tuned in that night. and I had some special guests on and, and you know had people from the community come in the mayor right. and the village president uh, but, but one of the things that, that I made sure I did was, to make it more communal not only did i actually read the chat but but what i started to do with these events was give out my phone number Wow. So <laughs> people would text me during these <laughs> events with cool, their though. questions and comments, yeah. and I would read them. And, you know, I started I started a, a, another wine club in the community back in January, and have over 100 members, which is nice. And we That's do a monthly Zoom. Yep. Had um, Pablo Falabrino on last night from Uruguay talking oh, about right. his Tenat. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But one of my wine club members guy. sent me a note yeah. and said to me, you know, you don't understand how important these monthly events were in the community when people... Didn't want to go out or didn't want to get together. Mm. You gave them events where there were literally hundreds of people involved right. all at once, and and it kind of created a communal sense. So I, I, I feel really good about that because I think that's what wine is. Mm-hmm. It's connective. It's, it's social. It's personal.
0: Yeah, 100. Yeah, that's um, what we we're saying. You know, who I want to get together with, and, and maybe you can help me. Maybe we'll we'll all we'll do it together. I want to get. Bon Jovi he is such a like a, a humanitarian like his restaurants yeah. where he feeds people and he doesn't present a check and they pay what they want because yeah. he doesn't want to embarrass anybody I mean but I'm kind of anti-celebrity wine though I have to admit that no I, <laughs> no, I, I get it I, I agree like I think um, who's the one Cameron Diaz came out with then? and this is a classic mm. example of somebody who has too much fucking That's money had no idea what to right, do with it right, right, right. hires somebody and it's like has this like natural wine oh it's clean yeah. it's clean wine <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. she got destroyed and rightfully so yeah. like if if you're going to throw money at something at least hire right people and like i'd love to see that interview oh you I mean she asked no questions right? and this person and then she got hung out to dry for it and she, she walked, and she did and she deserved to but I mean somebody like Bon Jovi who's doing really great things with his money eh I'm gonna cut him some slack it's not uh, true I don't it, think he's a bad person yeah I mean, that's it, what I mean. It, it, it
1: was a business opportunity but I think he yeah, actually does a lot of good things yeah, he, he, not he a fan old. of his music but
0: yeah, I think he does a lot of yeah. good things I love his ball- I love his rock balance I'm sorry <laughs> Bon Jovi sway back and forth <laughs> um, but that's great because I want to talk about the wine club and how is that going? Is it going to continue? And yeah, oh, it's definitely continuing and, and it's
1: growing. And um, and again, you know, one of the things I try to do is fill in the gaps. I try mm-hmm. to fill in the gaps in the business. And and being in New Jersey, even though it's half an hour from New York, where we are, it's a world away. And sure. and you know, people don't get to try a lot of the wines or experience a lot of the wines. And you know, my focus, and one of the reasons why I think I've always had an affinity with you and, yeah. and T. Edward, is that you know your focus on small artisanal, low intervention, family owned. Right. You know, if I'm reading Food and Wine magazine and someone's got a full page ad, they don't need my help uh, true. promoting good their point. wine. Very good point. Uh, yes, and it's not necessarily, and not that it's necessarily bad wine either, but it's just not what what sort of gets me excited sure. and and who I want to talk about. There's no story behind a, a luxury goods company. Uh, owning owning a wine yeah, brand yeah. you know and, and there 's nothing personal about that right so uh, so that 's what that 's what I look for and that 's the wines I try to give people sure. and, and you know and, and get them to step away from Mayomi <laughs> and, and yes. Whispering Angel, and what, what's on every shelf because yeah. New, New Jersey markets controlled, you know, seventy percent of the wine is with two wholesalers,
0: and that's just not right. And they give tons of incentive for you to pick up the wine. We'll give you free
1: legal, quasi legal, and yeah, as we rips. learned last year, illegal too.
0: Yeah. Right. yeah, people got busted, and they should have yeah. got busted. So I have a funny story. We also, I think, um, there was a great restaurant in New Jersey on South Orange Avenue, above I think it was David, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and I was like, oh my god, this is really good food, and then. I, I, and then I looked at the wine list, and it was just like, and it really pissed me off because it was like nine <laughs> Pinot Grigios. They didn't list right. the vintage yeah. and shit. And so I said, who put this wine list together? It was Hank Zona. Was, yeah, 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 I called you to give you, you shit. You called you, me. And you, and, and you were like, no. I no, no, no. Shit. I didn't
1: do that. So so I knew, I knew the manager. He calls me up. I give him like a five-page report. And I said, here's where you live. Here's your menu. Yeah. Here's what wine's going to work. I go to the soft opening and I look at the wine list and there weren't nine Pinot Grigios, there were five. Yeah, right. And that's still four yeah. too many, right? Yeah. yeah. So, um, so I said, "What's going on with this?" And he said, uh, "Well, we ran out of time, so, so, so the the wholesaler just promised me free BevNaps and to print my oh, print my menus for free for six months." And I looked at him and I said, "I said." buy a fucking printer and don't fucking sell your soul next time. And I said, and don't tell anyone I had anything to do with this. I know. Then he calls me up. He calls me up. And this is like nine, ten years ago, right? He calls me up like six weeks later. You're a fucking genius. I'm like, what do you mean? He said, you told me I should have organic and biodynamic wines on my list. So I finally featured two of them. And they're flying off the shelf. I said, don't talk to me. Don't even tell anyone that I had anything to do with that list. Sorry. Uh, No, no, it's true. But it's just like, it's just uh they, people seed they see responsibility and look the places are they're they're always overwhelmed they're especially overwhelmed sure. today mm-hmm. and it's it's you know some pied piper comes in and offers you the world and you just are scrambling for time so they they see responsibility and and to me that means they are cutting. They may be cutting corners somewhere yeah. else.
0: You know, I look at a restaurant wine list now first before I go to eat. I totally do. It tells me everything. Yeah. Um, my thing that I'm, I'm railing about recently is like there's too many restaurant wine lists that look exactly the same. Yeah. It's the same Cru Beaujolais. It's yep. the same people in Loire. It's just like, and as you know, with your travels to Vermont, to the Gorge, yeah. there are so many great wines out there. Everybody needs to quit buying the same exact wine because right. they're cool kids going like, hey, you got to pick this up. Like, It's getting tiring. Yeah. Um, I get it. I mean, we need to turn people on because they're good wines. But the wine world is is vast, as we know, and um, let's, let's pitch to that and, right. and support maybe smaller farmers. These brands are built. Right, They're fine. How about we support some farmers like in the Columbia Gorge who, who, are, who are trying to get above the noise. And the prices
1: on better-made wine of that nature aren't out of whack with what people are already spending on wine. Right. You, know, you can find better made wines in whatever price point is, is your comfort zone for buying wine.
0: Yeah. I would just say just start drinking as many different wines as possible.
1: And, and some people are starting to do that. You know, One of the things I do on occasion uh, for my neighbors, I do front lawn happy hour. I give people 24 hours notice, show up like I did a couple weeks ago, Bring your own glass. I'm just going to just pop whatever bottles, you know, disparate bottles I'm finding in my basement. It's a... um you know, there's a magnum of a, a, a Petnat Riesling Traminet from Wild Ark Farm in the Hudson Valley. I've got a wine here from Turkey. Yeah. I've got something from That's Maryland. Right. Yeah, so, so whatever, I'm just kind of pulling and opening up. Uh, here's, here's a Pettinat from Portugal. And, you know, we went through 15 bottles a couple, a couple of weeks ago at night. And people are like, wow, this is really cool. I never had a wine from no. here. Or, wow, I have never had something like this. And there's no proselytizing. Yeah. There's no pitching. It's, it's just, just like, you like it? taste Good. it, open it. You don't like that? here 's another bottle, open right, it up, right. try it, and you know and that and, and I think that 's one of the problems though with the wine industry, John. It, sometimes we get too um, too into it yeah. and, and too technical and and you know there 's a lot of posturing to show how much you know people and and we lose sight of the fact that bottom line is wine is something that 's pleasurable and social and and I think that 's what continues to turn people off and then you get a whole new wave of folks in here pitching all kinds of new wines and they're very critical of the old guard sure yet they're also proselytizing and, and talking down to people and talking over people right. so, so they're they're sort of you know they're, they're almost replicating the attitude that they're
0: that they're bashing i t- no, I, t- I totally agree it's just i unfortunately just at this point right now and we'll get through it we have to politicize everything hmm. like natty guys are like this is shit, my you wouldn't catch my father drinking it right probably not right but that's because it sucks. Uh, <laughs> right, right, right. Or, or, or it's, it's really good wine, but I don't get your point, your right. reference point. Who cares? What is it even about? But it's this idea of like... Uh, separation and it's just yeah. it, it doesn't do uh it doesn't do uh, the wine world any good I mean tasting stuff from Ellison Estate from Vermont that does us all good yeah that wine is really beautiful and yeah. I can put that in front of anyone in New York top some in New York and they're gonna go wow that's fucking gorgeous yeah where, where yes, do it I is. get this yeah, yeah where, yes it is yeah I mean
1: right. one of the fun things is, you know I've been writing for a couple of Jersey publications for a couple of years I just wrote a couple of pieces in Edible Jersey Edible awesome Edible yeah. Brooklyn Edible Jersey is yeah. one of the best uh I, I, nags. yeah and I and I did a uh, you know and I just did a one-on-one with a young winemaker out there, Mike Beneducci, huh? came for, out of the first viticulture class from Cornell. And uh, and the point I made was Mike Beneducci would be a good winemaker wherever he was. Sure. And he happens yeah. to be making wine in New Jersey. Right. So just because he's making in New Jersey doesn't mean it's good for Jersey or, or it's, wow, it's New Jersey wine. Right. He would make good wine anywhere, and he's happens right. to be making it there. Yeah. And and people have to kind of get over that. And um, I agree. Especially now where there are a lot of regions that we think are the best regions for wine are not making the same wines they used to because of climate change, climate because change, how sure. erratic it is, sure. right? And yeah. and that's having an impact. Fires and
0: wildfires and floods. And, 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 yeah. and
1: the late frosts and yeah. the two weeks of, of, of ice and... and in spring in yeah, France, you yeah. know, these things are, are real. Yeah. And and I think
0: what that's doing is it is maybe opening up opportunities in other areas for I, people to kind
1: of turn well, their attention
0: toward. Same thing with the prices of Bordeaux and Burgundy skyrocketing. Like, right. all of a sudden people are like, yeah, I'm going to look outside of those regions and yeah you know, so you go to Spain and you go that's good we should just continue to open up that funnel as wide as possible uh, because we'll find treasures because as you said good winemakers are going to make good wine they're going to and they they're usually studied and they they've drank good wine so like yeah. this terroir would be perfect for x and that's mm-hmm. that's what's cool
1: what, what I love are the are the people who are like like the um, the master of wine who decided he's going who who's part of a restaurant group in Houston and sold his sold his of that restaurant in that restaurant group before the pandemic, right. to move to Vermont to make wine from hybrid grapes. That's cool. You know yeah. that that's that's a cool story. Yeah. And, you know, and this this is a person who knows. This person knows better. Sure. And and he sees that there's something potential. to it. Right. There's some yeah. potential to it. Yeah. Uh, people who are moving to states that aren't necessarily winemaking states. The California winemaker who started the, what was it called, the American Wine Project mm-hmm. in, um, in Iowa. Right. Or, in, or in Iowa or Minnesota. Right. But she's getting grapes from from Iowa and from Kansas and from Minnesota, hybrid right. grapes, and making, again, beautiful wines sure. from those.
0: You know, so that's, um, you know, we have to kind of open our minds to what's sure. good wine, right? I, I, totally, I 100% agree. Yeah. So we are at the point of the show where I say, Hank, uh, God wants to start a wine club and he loves what you do and he's like, Hank, you're going to come up here tomorrow, but tonight I'm going to give you your last night on the planet Earth. Uh, what are you going <laughs> to eat for your last meal? What are you going to drink? What piece of music are you going to listen to as you close your eyes? As oh, that last order man. comes in online and you go, oh, awesome. What, what are you listening to?
1: Uh, wow. <laughs> so what are you eating? Let's start eating. What, are you eating? Uh, what am I eating? I, I love lamb I love sea- seafood. Okay. I love seasonal cooking okay. um, and and I mean I, I just ate tomatoes from my garden. I'm still getting tomatoes from my garden today. really, oh. yeah, yeah, so it's um so I, I would I would be something seasonal so I'd be okay. I, and this is the most beautiful season for food I think uh- pro, you know local produce that cross over from summer to early sure. autumn mm. it's just an embarrassment of riches I yep. think so yep. um what am I drinking? Something sparkling. Um, okay. I, I think I love sparkling wines more than anything. Okay. Uh, I know. I know most people say Burgundies, uh, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, no. Yeah, uh, you know, that's been my experience. You know, you know, a lot of people in the industry love Burgundies, but um, I love sparkling wines. So it, okay. it would be. Um, probably some 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 killer champagne probably to go okay. with it uh, what am I listening to Wow it's the last thing I listen to yeah I'm, I'm a child of 70s music I was a big progressive rock fan so okay. you know maybe I throw on close to the edge but you know on my on my dr- long drives to Vermont and through Oregon the, uh, the past month I, I listened to the Dead channel a lot and okay. uh, <laughs> but but you know tomorrow night I'm gonna go see Yola Tango in Jersey City and oh, I've, got, cool. um, uh, yeah, I've got I've got st. Vincent in a few weeks and you know so so you know I love Music, so it, it, maybe I'll just just play whatever
0: I can until my eyes close. <laughs> okay, I, I could dig that. Um, yeah. So um, I want people to be able to join your wine club, find out uh, yeah. about your blog. So how okay. do they how do they do that?
1: Uh, I'm actually in the process of redoing the website. Finally, uh, okay, I kind of let it. Lay fallow for a long time uh, my my business is known as the grapes unwrapped. You can find me there on instagram Great. and on twitter under those under those names or grapes unwrapped on twitter mm-hmm. uh, wine club is is really we 're not, not delivering yet, but uh, hopefully trying to do some shipping soon uh, okay. where um, but but it's in um, It's called Hank's Wine Club. How you like that? Uh, No no kitschy name there. Okay. And uh, (laughs) and so, uh, and it's through Village Wine Shop in uh, Maplewood. But people can contact me through social media, and get more information on it. If wine world people want to promote a wine through it too, Um, you know what what I normally do is I I, you know I, I pick the wines, then I invite. Someone to come on to the to the monthly Zoom to talk to the wine club members, Super cool. but, uh, but as I tell them you 're under no obligation to show up i 've already bought your wine, <laughs> so uh, so <laughs> this good. is really just just for a chance and, and as you know this John, it 's fantastic because you know like Pablo tuned in from Uruguay last night, yeah. and it was, it was at the hour mark, I still had the other two wines to talk about, and he wanted to just hang out and hear what the other wines were about and, that's and you so know cool. that 's been my experience with a lot of the winemakers yeah. they 're thrilled to talk to people in this. Really kind of nice, comfortable, social setting that I create. And
0: yeah. Well, you're great at it. Thanks. So thank you for thank being you. on DOTJ Podcast, man.
1: And, and thanks for thanks not only for inviting me, but for, for being a good friend all these years thank and you. for bringing me along for the, for the conversation. So. Well,
0: let's go have some oysters. Fantastic. Good night. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to check us out at dotjpodcast.com. Until then, I'll see you at the bar.